It's wonderful to have that confidence day by day that because we're saved, we're a new creation, and therefore we are a new man in Christ, and we don't need to live the way we used to live. I spoke on that a while back. And then on Sunday night, we looked at the first part of Colossians chapter 3 about the need to become just regularly seeking those things which are above. Well, I want to take those truths that come out of Colossians 3 and go to Colossians 4, a very practical application of this in, in the matter of exercising the wonderful life that we have in Christ and the life that we ought to live because of that. One of the things you've got to guard against, young people, is to get into just a normal secular mentality about life, and then you add your Christianity in. You are a new creation. The Spirit of God indwells you. Everything you do is either in the flesh or in the Spirit, and everything should be done from a spiritual, eternal perspective. When you get that mentality, it changes a lot of the little things in your life. Don't compartmentalize your life. There's nothing that's really unimportant. Every decision you make, everything you do, the whole flow of your life is important, and it needs to be from the uh, perspective of God working in your life. And so what I want to look at today is something that has taken, at times past, a lot of your life. For some of you, it's a big part of your life as you are supporting your being here by working hard even now in the different jobs that you are involved in um, during the summer. Most of you have major jobs or you're in ministry situations where you are uh, in a place of following authority there. But the Bible is very practical, looking at the matter of our work. Did you know that when you step into your job away from here, that's as important as what you do here? And that's what we find. It should be the exhibit of the new man, uh, that whole life that you have because of the Spirit of God. And so we need to really get a hold of the spiritual principles of uh, the matter of work. Colossians 4, I think most of you are there. Employees in a Detroit business office found the following important notice on their bulletin board. The management regrets that it has come to their attention that workers dying on the job are failing to fall down. This practice must stop as it becomes impossible to distinguish between death and the natural movement of the staff. Any employee found dead in an upright position will be dropped from the payroll. <laughs> we laugh at that, but I have an opportunity uh, regularly to talk with employers and the, the thing that they are really struggling with today is the wrong perspective of the younger generation. Now, again, you know, you poor millennials, and I think we might have a couple of Z's here, um, uh, but uh, it's just the, the factors that are around you that have caused that, and many of you have been brought up differently, and I praise the Lord for that. But uh, you'll find article after article in my discussions that there is an attitude about work that it's all about me, not about the employer, not about the job that needs to be done. Well, that's bad on a secular level, but that's really bad on a spiritual level. So let's look at what Colossians chapter 4 says here. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master 
in heaven. That is the right, that is for those who are employers. I want to move back, I actually jumped ahead there, to let's go back to chapter 3, verse 22, in the progression here of the new man. Verse 22, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. And then you have the verse in chapter 4, two masters that I already read. Now that's a fairly lengthy discourse about this matter of work. Well, it takes up a major part of our life. The parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6 is also extremely in-depth and has several other angles that we won't look at, but it is important that you get a hold of this matter of uh, the proper perspective on work. Now, I do need to mention that in the context here, these are masters and slaves. And none of you will be, though you may think you're in that kind of position, uh, none of you will be in the kind of position that these folks were. They did not exist as a person. They were a, they were a purchased possession. They were um, seen as almost lower than human. And a large part of the Roman Empire uh, was involved in slavery. It's estimated that there were over 60 million slaves. Now stop for a minute, that's the ancient world. 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Those that were legally bound for life to their masters. And, uh, and so that was one third of the population. And so what was happening, of course, is that God was gracious and slaves were getting saved. And they were coming into the body of Christ. And being now in a place in which they understood they're a co-heir with Christ, they, are, uh, they have liberty in Christ, that they have value, they are not just a piece of, piece of property, uh, that they have um, uh, biblical standing. Could you see the temptation for a slave to have a wrong attitude about his slavery? I'm not going to get into this. This is a good one for uh, an academic class, is that he doesn't correct slavery here. This was a part of the overall situation. Obviously, the Bible is opposed. We are all uh, equal. The Bible makes that very clear, and it's a tragic sin. But the point is, this is the way it was, so here's how it ought to be done. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how unreasonable a boss may be, we heard uh, testimony on Monday about an unreasonable boss, okay? That does happen. And uh, no matter how hard the situation uh, could be, it's never going to be this bad. And so he addresses a situation that will always be worse than whatever you find. So there is no way to rationalize. Ladies uh, often are reminded, I remind them in 1 Peter chapter 3, that that tremendously direct passage is to women in the Roman Empire who were treated like slaves. 
and who had literally the fear of life and death when it came to contradicting their Roman husbands. And so when they're to show reverence and all of this, uh, that was a very difficult thing, but God was going to intervene, and I'm sure God did mighty things uh, on the behalf of their obedience. But the fact is that uh, no lady uh, is going to face quite what those ladies faced. And so it's interesting how the Lord gives us these principles out of a very extreme situation at that time. And I think that'll be helpful to you because you're bound to have situations that Satan's going to come along and say, this is really unreasonable. And you know what? He may be right. There are times when they don't understand. You're the, uh, uh, the employer, the whole organization may not understand or properly handle their employees, but as long as you are under their employ and taking their money, these principles apply, and it's very important that we, uh, that we get a hold of this. So let's look at this matter of the new life as seen in the life of an employee. First of all, very simple, servants obey. Okay, well, preceding this is children obey. This matter of obedience to authority, folks, is the key in life to seeing the blessing of God. And that whole idea of realizing when there's God-given authority, there is a submission in your heart because it is the authority of God ultimately. It will save the day for you, number one, obviously in your spiritual life, but in your uh, ministry work life, and it will save the day uh, with your relationship to the government and other situations that, are, that uh, you are in. And a lack of submissiveness brings a just series of problems in your life. And what is our default position when we have somebody tell us what to do? Do we naturally like it? No. In fact, if it's somebody that maybe out of the blue tells you something, you get mad. It just, in a then if you're walking with the Lord, it makes you mad that you got mad. You know, I mean, how, how could I react like that? Uh, you know, when somebody tells you you can't be in that line, be in that line, and inside of you go, huh. and then you realize, oh, that was ungodly. Why did I do that? Well, because that's just the flesh. Now, let me let you know a secret. The flesh doesn't like to be told what to do. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, it's a real enemy. Uh, but uh, remember, you are a new man in Christ, as we talked about. And so you don't have to cave in to that default position of rebellion. Now, this uh, word obey is in the present tense. And so it should be an ongoing uh, uh, attitude. In 1 Peter chapter 2, here is a book that, that deals several times with and is in the context of the suffering that the church was facing and was going to face it deals with this very thing before the servants. Verse 18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently, but if... But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable unto God. So you even have it a step further. When you're mistreated you, and, it, and you do suffer, it's not because you weren't a good employee 
wasn't because you said something you shouldn't say, but they just are taking it out on you, maybe even for being a Christian. That's the context here. Well, God's blessed. That's acceptable unto the Lord. It doesn't mean that you can act improperly. Now, it does mean it might be wise to quit eventually, okay? Uh, this is the difference between the slave, master, employee, employer situation that we have today. But even there, you've got to think twice. What about the testimony you have? And what about the ongoing relationship that you're building for the cause of Christ? There's a lot of things that, that are involved. And so obedience is a critical testimony to the world of the reality of your salvation. Now, how many of you right now here at school are working where there's unsaved people around? Could I see your hands? Okay, many of you work here at the school. That's a number of you. All right, you're working. How many of you work during the summer or have worked or potentially will work in a place where unsaved uh, employers or employees? Okay, there you go, most of you. So this is really something that we all face. And folks, remember, Every time we have ongoing contact with people and they're lost, God is as concerned about their eternal destiny as about you having everything the way you want it to be. He loves those people. He died for them. And when we are self-focused, now sometimes things are unreasonable and you can't stay. I understand that. But so often we're so worried about ourselves that we forget the fact that God has us there at this temporary time in our life for precious souls that will probably have no other hope of hearing the truth except from us. And many times it has to be preceded because of the job situation by our showing forth the truth before we speak the truth which we need to do. And so it's very important that we get a hold of this. Now let me say one thing here too, and that is that um, uh, when you have a saved employee, a employer, um, this was a problem back then, that doesn't mean that you can expect that you have more rights. Well, that Christian employer ought to treat me a certain way and ought to have a benefit. Let me just let you in a little secret. The number one problem that I've had to face uh, in church settings between Christians in which we have to go through Matthew 18 is the expectations of member um, employees with their expectations of Christian employers. Now, I'm thrilled when Christian employers in our church can hire folks, but I also swallow hard because I know there is the temptation to have expectations of a Christian employer. By the way, it's the same problem that a wife has of her husband, expectations. Expectations in every area of your life. Folks, do what God has called you to do, and if the Spirit of God is blessing you through your employer, husband, or whatever situation you're in, praise the Lord. But you're supposed to still do right. Those of you that have unsaved parents, you are still to follow what the Word of God says. And so be very careful about feeling like you deserve um, preferential treatment. 1 Timothy 6.1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Wow. Now it's even the stakes are higher. Um, the name of God... And the doctrine be not blasphemed. And by the way, it goes on, what I just mentioned. They have, 
And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. You getting a little idea that God considers this important? A lot of the reality of your Christianity and a lot of your growth and preparation for the ministry that God has for you is going to be when you leave this afternoon and have to go work. It's going to be the summer when you have to be placed in a situation that now is very uncomfortable because you've been used to being with believers around the clock, which is a wonderful thing. But uh, you have to get out there and do the work. And you've got to understand when you get out in full-time ministry, you are still interacting with uh, people who are unsaved because you want to reach them. And that whole um, habit of life of how you respond and the respect and the proper attitude toward authority has an enormous impact upon the community around you. Now let me just take a moment here and say, you know, work is God's idea. All right. Now, God had Adam work before the fall. We realize the first time that work is really talked about is at the curse. And we'll, I'll mention that in just, just a second. But Adam was to have dominion over the entire uh, um, animal kingdom and over the administration of God's uh, world that he had created. Do you realize what an enormous thing that was? I don't think we even begin to understand. It also shows us how high level Adam was in his creation. I am... Um, there's no way I could believe in evolution because from what Adam was to what we are now, <laughs> uh, no, we've gone the other direction. I always chuckle at that. But I, I think if we met Adam and Eve, we would be pretty amazed at, at, at when in their pre-fall condition that the, this is the idea of what God has. Now, the good news is, folks, you're going to be glorified like Jesus Christ. And that is not only going to be resumed, it is going to be improved upon because of our relationship with the Lord through the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. So that's exciting. Uh, so we haven't even begun the real chapters of our life. Uh, it's all ahead, and that's one of the great joys of being a believer. But work then became difficult because of the curse. Now it wasn't just the beautiful relationship with God in which he empowered Adam to do all that he was to do. Now they had to, the, war, the ground was cursed. Uh, animals began to misbehave. Um, Adam began to misbehave because he had the flesh and he had the sin principle and was fallen. And so work now became a real task. But that's why we're created. Work is God's idea. And you cannot cave into the flesh. Laziness, slothfulness, read through Proverbs on that. Uh, it will just destroy your life. If you know you have a propensity for, for laziness, the, you have the victory in Christ that can overcome that. And that's one of the reasons that you see, it seems like, wow, there is so much I have to do. Well, precisely, we want you to find out, wow, I was not taking my life nearly as seriously as I should have. You can accomplish far more than you, you think you can. And to develop a strong work ethic, a proper management of your time, a value for the time that God has given you will totally uh, change your life and put you on a pathway that if you are humble before the Lord, you can be used mightily. And that's why we talk about spiritual transformation that leads to godly character. It's very important. You may be at this point throwing up your hands. Man, I just can't seem to solve this problem. I, 
I keep failing over here. All right, instead of just being defeated, say, I'm glad this has been revealed. And by the way, knock on the door, get an appointment, talk to people that are, that are in your life. They will take the time, I promise you, and help you. That's why we're here, okay? And God will enable you. So work is very important. Uh, old farmer was a hard worker like most farmers are, and a young seminary student was an intern pastor, and he comes in and he talks to the man. He said, don't you think it's time in your life now to slow down and, and uh, take it easy? And he says, oh, he said, I've observed with all my farm machinery that I have uh, used that the, that the machinery that I use regularly, it's still working. But the stuff that I let sit, it just rusts. You know, good old practical uh, farm perspective, but that's a lot of truth. Uh, you don't want to just, you'll start corrupting. It's, remember, you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So work is good for you. And obviously, we could put that all into the context of your academic studies and everything else. But I'm telling you, those of you that are working right now, whether here or out in, out in the workforce, or when you work this summer, or whatever you do, you're going to be given tasks, you have assignments like we had during the conferences a couple weeks ago. Uh, don't, get, don't back away from work. The happiest you're going to be is when you put yourself to it. You say no to the flesh, ask the Spirit of God, and get in there and do the best job you can. You're the winner. You're the one that gets the most because it's just amazing. Everything in you clicks when you work hard. And when you are slothful and you just barely do enough, there is a conscience problem. There is something in you and, you just, and you're down on yourself. Sometimes the reason we get depressed and have a wrong perspective on ourselves is because we're not following God's rule of life, and that is to work hard. And I tell you, you fellas, work. Uh, don't be afraid of having to sweat. Work, the Bible says we need to do that. It will overcome the curse. And so don't just do things half-heartedly. Do it all the way. Do it the best you can, because that's God's principle. But the high principle here, let's go back to our text in verse 22. Servants, obey in all things. That there's nothing that's an exception here, unless, of course, it's directly against God's word. Your masters, according to the flesh, in this human situation, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So uh, servants are to obey with a higher perspective than just what you're seeing. Now realize, when you go to wherever you go today to work, that's sort of the human realm. And we can just sort of, mm, we're not in chapel. You know, we're going to wherever, fast food place to work or whatever. And, you know, it just sort of is. And it's very easy to forget just looking at it according to the flesh. Uh, instead, uh, we've got to realize there's a much bigger per, uh, uh, perspective, not with eye service. This is the idea of not working uh, when, um, when people are watching only. Now, one of the most important lessons in life, folks, and it, you know, there's the saying, uh, the real test of what you are uh, is revealed by what you do when no one is watching. And there's some real truth to that, of course. But especially in the matter of work, uh, we are, you are not to try to impress and then do what you want to do. It doesn't matter 
about what you gain from this humanly, though you will gain, God will bless, it is a matter that it is before the Lord. And that um, you need to be just as rigorous, appropriate in how you work when the boss is there and when the boss is not there, even when he can't measure it. I had to come to grips with this, as I've given my testimony. The Lord really got a hold of my heart when I was 15, and I surrendered to the Lord ministry, and I'm so thankful for that time. It made a great deal of difference in my life. I was beginning to learn what it meant to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. But my real test came, I was working at that time. I started working at 15 in a little grill at 63rd and Kedzie in Chicago. That was an experience. Believe me, for a preacher's kid, I was thrown into the world uh, big time. Uh, I wasn't totally shocked because I did go to a public school. There was no Christian school at the time, so that was quite uh, uh, an experience in itself. But still, 63rd and Kedzie, Chicago, I'm telling you, that was interesting. And um, my boss was a tough boss, but a godly boss. Uh, and I was thankful to get to work. But I mean, when those chili pots had to be cleaned, I mean, they had to shine. And they were old pots. You know, that's how hard it is to get old pots to shine. And I mean, there was all kind of stuff. I mean, for a while, my flesh was just dying. And uh, he was over me, though. He wouldn't let me get away with anything. And I learned how to manage time. I learned how to cook on the grill then. It was the kind of thing, it was one of those show places where people would come in and uh, um, you were to not write anything down. You waited on them, you cooked their uh, order, you then, when uh, you delivered the order, you of course had to have it exactly right in your mind what they owed, and believe me, they knew what they owed, and uh, then you had to clean it all up. Many times it was a one-man show. Now, obviously, in those early uh, months, I didn't do it by myself. I had somebody else there. But I began to learn, you know, this is a pretty good racket. Um, I got a pretty good um, amount per uh, hour. He was very good to me. Back then, I think it was $1.30 minimum wage. Can you imagine? That really dates me. And I got $3 an hour. I mean, ooh, I mean, that was pretty good back then. But... When I learned how to, how to do it, I got many times 8 to $15 in tips an hour. And uh, so I'm telling you, I, that's not bad today, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was living pretty good. I paid for it, though. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of work. But my point is this. I learned to work hard, and then he started trusting me. So now the shifts were me there alone. That was going to be the test. And I remember the very real temptations. He won't know if I do it exactly that way or not. He won't know if I do some things out of line. But thankfully, that's when I surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord made it very clear. It doesn't matter whether he's here or not. God knows. And of course, in the back of my mind, I figured he'd probably know too. You know, he's a pretty shrewd guy. But, uh, but even that, it was such a joy to do it the right way. And you know what? I got to use that for several years, and God used to get me through college, and a lot of good things happened. But I remember that temptation from Satan was really big. Nobody around. Nobody around. I was handling the whole deal. Now I look back, I realize how many of those things God used to even prepare me for the ministry. 
And God will do the same thing for you in whatever job you have. Remember, the more trust that you're given, the more you will be tempted to, to take advantage of that trust. Now, I, I want to encourage those of you that work here and you are given trust and there's not a supervisor on duty at that time. Are you working as hard as when the supervisor is there? You know, we need to ask ourselves, those of you that are in leadership in the dorm and you are handling things and you're by yourself, are you fully with full integrity in what you're doing? Or is there a potential that you take advantage of that authority and that position you have at different times? These are the dangers. And you see, this is good training ground because someday many of you guys are going to be pastors or missionaries on the field or evangelists and there's going to be nobody over you. What are you going to do? Do you have a work ethic? Does it matter if somebody's telling you what to do? Are you willing to give of yourself always 100% every day and always have the highest in integrity? This is where so many men fall down in the ministry. And you ladies are going to have this too. You're going to be at home with these kids and your husband isn't there to even guide you. What are you going to do with your time? How are you going to handle that? Or in the ministries that God has given you, uh, you're going to be in that classroom with no supervision most of the days unless the principal were to come along. What are you going to do with the time? How well are you going to be prepared? Do you see how all of this goes together? It's very important that you take very seriously not to be a men pleaser, to be a God pleaser. You've got to learn that he is omnipresent. You know that. He's in your heart. If you have spent time in the, with the morning, in the morning with the Lord and his presence is in your life, then it's an obvious thing. But I'm telling you, Satan will come along and start chipping away at your character if you're walking in the flesh because the flesh doesn't like to work and it never will like to work. Even though there's satisfaction in work, um, still that really uh, strong attitude of work. And so the godly attitude that we should have here is uh, singleness of heart, fearing God. A singleness, a sincerity. The idea, uh, it has the idea of concentration of purpose, especially in, uh, in, in, in a generous use of a life. Singleness of heart, fearing God. It is all about God. What you do in secret is who you really are. What you think in secret is who you really are. Out of the heart cometh these things. Uh, and so I really encourage you to develop a respect. Listen, if there's not a state trooper, there's still God. Okay. Uh, whatever situation you're in, there should be fear and trembling. Uh, when you go home at Christmas, there is no Mr. Swan Pastor Swanson there. He might be surprised. He might show up, fellas. But uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Uh, but, uh, uh, but fear and trembling of God. You see, it's fearing the Lord. It's not what the school expects. This is a covenant that you've made with God as God has led you here. And, there, and when you are thinking of God's authority and you think of it all the time, he gives you such freedom and uh, really helps. And then the right motive here, and this is such a tremendous verse, most of you know it, but it's in this context I want you to see. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto 
men. Whatsoever ye do. Those room chores, hardly as unto the Lord. There is no such thing as a non-sacred event in your life. Sitting down doing your homework is a, a matter of spiritual versus the flesh because you're preparing for the work that God has for you. You guys that are carrying tables, that's not just a secular thing. Those tables, they go from one room back to the, you know, they just, they just stay in one room, you know, but we're up and down the hallways with tables and chairs, you know what I'm talking about. Especially, I really appreciated you guys during the cola clash. You know, a couple hours, it's an auditorium. Then it's a dining hall. Then it's an auditorium again. And uh, nothing was staying the same. And some of you guys worked very, very hard. But uh, even in those kind of uh, grinding kind of responsibilities, it's as it is to be hardly done, as unto the Lord. I love it when I hear folks working around here, and you can tell the Spirit of God's working, they're singing. Uh, it's, you know, most of the time it's good. Uh, but they're, they're singing. I do want to remind you that I do my study right next to the door, and I hear all kinds of things in that hallway out there. People forget that my, that one door uh, is uh, right there. It's so interesting. Anyway, that's just a little heads up. <laughs> if you're going to gossip or say something you should, don't say it close to the church office, because uh, I have heard things, and uh, poor students have thought, oh, no. <laughs> that's always the Lord when that happens, but it's been almost funny. You know, I usually am pretty merciful when that happens, because I hate to be the guy to have to turn somebody in, but, uh, but anyway, but I do hear a lot, I do hear a lot in the evening of singing and humming and so forth. Well, that's a good thing. Honestly, that's the right thing. Or there's good music going when folks aren't around and you've, and it's appropriate to have music on and you're rejoicing in the Lord, that, that's the whole idea. Did you know you ought to have as good a time working hard as you do in any other part of your life? That, that means that all of life is a joy. If you compartmentalize, this is a good time, and these are bad times, most of life then will be categorized as a bad time. So it's very important to have that um, attitude where you realize that you're putting your whole inner man into it. It's for the Lord, it is not unto men. Uh, no matter who the boss is, unsaved, uh, unregenerate, coarse, doesn't matter, it's still to the Lord. And every one of these passages deal with this. So let me just finish with this, and this is sobering. Verse 24, God was going to make all things right. These slaves were being mistreated. Some of you, it may not be fair how you're treated. Sometimes you're not going to be understood, even in a place like this. But you aren't to get bitter. You're obviously to communicate, solve problems in any situation, but sometimes you feel like you can't. But knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. In other words, when you are serving with a reverential attitude to whatever authority you're under, especially in this context of work, and you have the right attitude, and uh, there is the right reverence for that authority, and, and you are working as hard as you can, making the best use of your time, um, realize that even if you're not appreciated and things aren't understood, God knows. God knows. You know, sometimes you're going to work hard and it will not be noticed. Sometimes you will, you'll be passed over on something and it's not fair. God knows. 
I, you've heard many messages say this, but we're going to really be stirred at the judgment seat. It's not going to necessarily be the preachers that you know are going to be in the front of the line, so to speak. There are going to be tremendous servants of God. This church has some tremendous servants of God. I know, I know their sacrifice. I know their labor of love. I know what they are meaning to the cause of Christ here and around the world. God knows. And you're going to have an inheritance. For Remember, you serve the Lord God. You, you serve the Lord Christ. And uh, God makes all things right. And so never, never, never get a down attitude. Remember, God always works things through. He, and it's always for our good. And trials, of course, help develop us. But, verse 25, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. There's no respect of persons. All right, slave, you've been mistreated, but you turn around and you have the wrong attitude towards your master and you don't do the job you're supposed to do and you cut quarters and you steal. God, and talk, he's talking to Christians here, God's going to chasten you. God's not going to judge in the sense of penal judgment, but you're not going to get away with that. It's a pretty sober ending, isn't it, to this passage here. And you know what's so sad? You almost, through a lack of willingness to work hard, a lack of right attitude towards your boss, you develop character habits, you, you cave into the flesh, and you frankly chasten yourself because you are limiting what you can be. God doesn't have to do much to chasten you. Let me just tell you right now. If in high school you cut corners and really didn't do everything you were supposed to do, have you been a little chastened once you got to college? It wasn't even God intervening. <laughs> it was just, whoom. I don't get away with it now. And let's say you get away with bad character and not doing things during college experience. You get out in the ministry, you're not going to get away with it there as far as God's going to really deal with you because people are on the line now. And uh, on we could progress through your life, your children, your marriage. All of it is affected. So this matter of uh, working, when you go to work today, would you stop before you go and say, I'm, I'm heading into the ministry here. I'm a testimony for Jesus Christ. This is a God-given authority in my life. My attitude must be a reverence toward God. I must have a, a good, hearty attitude toward work. I'm going to give it my best. I'm tired. I've been through a lot with homework. I didn't do well on the quiz. I'm a little bummed out. It doesn't matter. I'm going to start walking in the spirit here, and this is going to be a time in which I show what a great God I have. And I'm telling you, if you'll have that attitude every time you work, what God will do in your life will affect every other part. Uh, you'll see that it'll affect every part of your life for good, and uh, you will be so thankful. So a very important application on living out the new man. Let's bow for prayer. Just one simple question here. You'd say, Pastor, you know, I, I do struggle with some of the things you talked about, and I need to admit that because I need to live out the reality of the victory I have in Jesus Christ on the job, in my, under my authorities, in the work that I do, and I don't want to get into bad habits right now when God's forming my life for the future. And the Holy Spirit did convict me, and I'm going to be honest about it. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up if that's God's working in your life? Lord, thank you for these many that admitted this. This is the, just a problem that we have with the flesh, and I pray that you'll give clarity 
as to how to take steps to really obey you and to be consistent. Lord, would you encourage them with what they have in you. Lord, we are uh, in a relationship with you that allows us to see the full victory. Lord, help them to see it. And Lord, may they have that deep determination to be what you want them to be now. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.